to Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer a heretic. I'm your host, Matthew J. DiStefano, and for the next hour, I'll be your Sherpa to nowhere in particular. Nowhere in particular. What's happening, everybody? It's another episode of Apostates Anonymous. I believe this is episode eight. I can't keep up because I do that uh, Football Friday show, which I'm thinking about fucking stopping because of what happened in London today. Fuck that bullshit. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, then uh, go watch the Tottenham Newcastle highlights. We got fucking robbed. This whole... Handball business, penalty business, VAR bullshit is, 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 is just that. It's fucking bullshit. We got robbed of three points. The league owes us two points. Fuck off. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. So I'm not. We're going to talk about something else. <laughs> we got a good one for you folks today. We are going to be giving uh, Dr. Reverend Katie Valentine, co-host of the Heretic Happy Hour, a call. In just a few minutes here, we're going to talk to her about, ooh la la, sex and Paul. Because that's what her dissertation, which is now a book, was about. And she's going to get into 1 Corinthians 7 and uh, talk about what Paul was talking about uh, when he's talking about sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good times and the bad times that make me. Let's talk about Paul. So we're going to do that. It's going to be fun. And uh, then we're going to have a little talk about plug your ears, conservatives. We're going to talk about conservatism and Trump and how the two are a match made in fucking hell. And I can say that because I was raised conservative, so I've got some questions. I've got some concerns. I'm going to bring up my concerns, folks. But before we do all that, I just want to give a huge shout-out to all my Patreon supporters. Every one of you from the $1 and up, you're my producer. You are the ones who back me. And I cannot do this kind of shit without your support, so... Thank you so much to everyone who's supporting on Patreon. If you want to jump on board that and uh, help me out and also unlock a lot of cool shit that is just exclusive for Patreon supporters, make sure you head on head on over to patreon.com slash mjdistefano. A dollar a month, five dollars a month, ten dollar a month. I've got a bunch of different tiers. Uh, so pick one that works for your for your financial situation and uh, give, me a, give me a help out. That'd be great. Um, let's see, we've got less than a month, we've got three weeks till the bonfire sessions, autumn comes out, everything's looking good uh, as far as publishing goes for the uh, October 20th release, and of course, make sure you check out Heretic Happy Hour, we've got a lot of good shit happening, guess who we just interviewed, fucking Rob Bell, whoop whoop, Rob Bell, the one who John Piper farewelled, the beginning of cancel culture as we know it. Oh, you evangelicals, you started cancel culture, little bitches. Uh, we talked to Rob Bell for about an hour, and it was fucking amazing. So uh, be on the lookout for a future release with him. I'm sure you'll hear about it all from us because we're going to promote the hell out of that one. That's for show. But without further ado, let's give Dr. Reverend Katie Valentine a call. Hello? Hi, is this the uh, Heretic Happy Hour hotline? No, no, you've got the wrong number. Oh got to call God. back. Oh, shit. But this is Heretic Happy Hour, right? No? No? This is one of the hosts? Who? What is Heretic Happy Hour? Is this something I, I should know about? I don't know. I think it's a podcast. I'll have to, ha- I, I'll have to subscribe. Have yeah, yeah, subscribe on iTunes. <laughs> Wait, is that that one that I'm on? I think yeah, you might have been. Were you drunk? That's what I've been doing all these months. <laughs> I'm so happy to have clarity. Yes. Okay, Katie. Put the joke aside. How are you? I'm good. How are you? How are you? I'm all right. We're both in Chico and we're enjoying crisp, somewhat autumn, smoke-free air. I'm enjoying not having an apocalyptic furnace, fiery, orange light, smoke-filled pea soup climate right now. Uh, you weren't talking about Trump with the orange. No. I'm <laughs> that was quick. No, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just enjoying, yeah, having 
air quality index that's that doesn't register with the Book of Revelation. Yeah, I, I I've been learning about how that air quality index works, and apparently purple's really bad. Are we are are we safe? We're safe right now. All right. That's all that matters, right? I, I got to tell y'all, N95 masks come in handy for so many purposes. It's not only for COVID anymore. I know. I know. Well, you're not going to take away my freedoms. I'm going to go out in that smoke and I'm going to breathe it. <laughs> you're just breathe it in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in 50 years, you'll you'll learn uh, the consequences. Oh, well, it probably it won't take 50. <laughs> I'll, I'll be damn near 90 by then. That's fine. So, Katie, um, you have completed the... Um, I made all the rounds on all all the co-hosts of Heretic Happy Hour, and we're saving the best for last. Sorry, Derek and Keith. I was I was about to make the same joke. Are you saving oh, the best for last, or yeah. am I the sloppy seconds here? Oh no, <laughs> no I, I wouldn't make that joke. No, not in this day and age, Katie. Um, it was for you. So. Yeah, that's fine. You could do what you want on this show. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, I thought it'd be fun to to get. Let's get to know Katie today. Um, you are, you are the resident scholar on, on the team and I would, I'm fascinated to get into your focus in school and why, why sex and Paul? (laughs) (laughs) I, I kind of ask myself that question every time I think about it. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm happy, really happy to put this very long, very pricey degree to use. So let's, let's do it. Uh, Why sex and Paul? So I, my, my project, my dissertation project that's been um, now a book is all about first Corinthians seven. And it's about these four little verses right in the middle that actually talk about enslavement. And this was a sort of randomly, uh, randomly assigned um, class project that I had to do. I think my second year of grad school, and it kind of turned into my, into my dissertation. And even though it's about enslavement, it is all about sex. And so I laughed. I was like, I, no matter what you do, like we have to talk about Paul and sex. So I find it fascinating. I find it fascinating to think what were the first century people thinking? Um, Why do we believe that this is authoritative today? They thought about sex, um, sexuality wildly different than we do today, but that continued 2000 year interplay um, just continues to interest me. So I'm able somewhat to separate myself from um, like Paul's authority. And so then I'm able to enjoy the text and think, what was this crazy man talking about and why? So Paul, Paul, does Paul have authority for you or no? Uh, No, not too much. He has, uh, but he does have my respect. As doing yeah. something, yeah, as doing something um, c- crazy, innovative, um, a dynamic thinker. I think I probably would have argued with him a lot. Mm-hmm. And we see that his congregations argued with him a lot. They often did not agree with him. Um, in First Corinthians 7, he is he's kind of writing to them saying, hey, the, the slogans you've all been adopting are actually wrong. So we know that they were arguing with him, too. We're continuing a great tradition. And he does arguing in all of them. I mean, like in, in his Galatian letters, he's not happy. Well, he's right? mad. Yeah, and so some some shits going down there that he doesn't like. Uh, isn't he kind of putting sort of rhetorical arguments together in Romans as well? Oh um, yeah, I mean like yeah, all I mean, of Romans, and I, that one's unique because he doesn't uh, know that congregation. Yeah, I think so. He has to really prove himself because, and like when you think about it too, Paul's he's off, he's always saying I'm actually first among the apostles because I only met the risen Christ. Right. All these other apostles had um, the kudos of actually knowing Jesus while Jesus was alive. Yeah, that's, that's a tough uh, one for people, right? Yeah, yeah. For, for the ancient people, it certainly was. He didn't have as yeah. much authority as someone like Peter or James. Yeah. And now it's almost as if we give him more authority. It's the total flip. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a total flip. I mean, I, I contend that we misread Paul a lot. Oh, yeah. But... It's interesting that, especially like in a Calvinist tradition, it's always Romans. It's always Paul's letters because it, it kind of gets that you can misinterpret to get a Calvinistic theology out of there. And right. then that, that's where we just go. All the Reformed folks write to Paul. Yeah. And, and we end up with this weird culture today where we're, we're using scripture and using the Bible to be both extremely puritanical and extremely hypersexualized. It's like the most fascinating juxtaposition. Yes. So yeah. why why well, we'll get it let's get into 1 Corinthians as opposed to 2. Um <laughs> or 3. Or, or 3, right? Oh, and that's a weird thing about Corinthians, right? Like we don't have the original correspondences, right? Right. Yeah, we're coming in like in the middle of the story. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah. So we know that Paul wrote to them ahead of time uh, before the thing that we now call 1 Corinthians, but we we no longer have that. Yeah. It's like jumping into uh 
you know, after Frodo has left the Shire and you're like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, jumping in the middle of episode two. Yeah. Movie two. Yeah. You're what, right. Why, what's this ring? What are they doing? Why are they going? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So what, what's going on in, in, uh, in First Corinthians 7? Yeah, First Corinthians 7. So I, I find this maybe the most fascinating chapter in the whole New Testament. And um, as, as Providence would have it, it was, it was hysterical because I went back oh, in the middle of my dissertation and I saw some paper I had written in undergrad that I did not remember writing on this very chapter. So apparently it's been haunting me for a long time. So the very first thing that uh, Paul says in First Corinthians 7 is, now concerning the uh, matters about which you wrote, so we know that they wrote him, Right. It's well for a man not to touch a woman. So this gives us a really interesting kind of glimpse into what the Corinthians were talking about. Some of them apparently thought that um, they had to be aesthetic and never have sex. Yeah. Like, right. So everyone had to be um, separated all of the time. Mm-hmm. And Paul takes this down and he's like, no, 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 no. Actually, this is um, the, never is not the right thing here. And he tells them really clearly, um, you should get married and have sex because I don't want you to commit sexual immorality. And so for Paul, the whole reason to get married was not love. It was not children. It was not even economical, like many people would have done in in the ancient Roman Empire, but for the sole purposes that they not commit sexual immorality. Well, do we see that today? I mean, unfortunately, I see it all the time. People who get married way too young so that they young, Yeah, Yeah. way young um, for the express purpose of like having sex within marriage. And then that marriage, you know, often often flails and yes. is really hard yes and toxic so yeah, that's so, kind of point one yeah so he's basically like marriage is good for protecting you so you don't have sex out of wedlock and that's yeah, it. because for him that would have been that would have been sin, a sin yeah that that's set up for for quite success isn't it <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and in the ancient, know. You know, they didn't live long no, I know, right? They, and, they didn't have we, that many years to stick it out. <laughs> no, and we know all good marriages start like that. Right, yeah, exactly. Lo- loving, mutual, consensual relationships, right? So yeah. Paul's not interested in any of that. Okay. All right, I don't, I don't think he's that interested in it. I mean, you know, yeah. I think he's interested in people's well-being, but for him, the reason to get married is that you don't burn with passion. Yeah, which, I mean, depending on the context, that's fair enough, right? It could be fair enough. You know, we have other options. <laughs> today well, of course of course yeah, but i'm just saying like i'm just saying like with with your approach looking at paul looking at his context and and not really having much authority on your life today it becomes like okay let's get into the psychology of my what might be going on here oh definitely and i think the other the other really important piece that i talk about is that for paul self-control is a virtue that was very much admired within the Roman Empire, within the Greek culture. Um, the Greek word for that is inkrateia. And it's this just total control over self, mind, body, speech, especially over sexual desires. Yeah. So men who lost self-control were made fun of. So a great example is Mark Antony. We don't know if Mark Antony actually, you know, didn't have control over his sexual desires, but the kind of tabloids of the ancient world, the propaganda of the ancient world painted him as someone who was enslavishly obsessed with Cleopatra and had no control over his desires, over the food that he ate. They portrayed him as gluttonous, as sex crazed, as um, being ruled by a woman. And so this kind of rhetoric of you have to be always in control of yourself, Paul taps into that in 1 Corinthians 7 yeah, um, and says, you know, if you don't have self-control, then yeah, get married. That's a good solution if you, if you can't control yourself. So it's also a little dig. Uh-huh. Paul, Paul made a, Paul made a lot of digs. He makes a lot of digs. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't hold back. But I think he's doing this in actually a, re, a pretty respectful way in First Corinthians seven. He's yeah. not chastising them for getting married. He's just saying this is secondary to those of you who can't be like I am. Oh yeah. So I think so, is that verse yeah like verse eight yeah to the married and to the unmarried and widows I say it's well for them to remain unmarried as I am but if they're not practicing self control right. they should marry. Yeah, so if you can't be as, as good as me, right? Right, <laughs> yeah. You can't be Paul. You know, <laughs> Who all right, had no sexual tie, desire. Tie, I, yeah. tie the knot. There right. Yeah, tie the knot. And he also, I think another misunderstanding is he also says really clearly in First Corinthians 7, um, you know, don't get divorced, but if your partner leaves you, just remain unmarried. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, he actually does sanction divorce as a, as a very legitimate option for people. That I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's sort of progressive, right? In a way. Yeah, I mean, like in the in the ancient world, people did get divorced, you know, sure. especially the Roman Empire with some regularity. Like it wasn't a difficult, it wasn't difficult. I think women could initiate divorce as well. So yeah, so definitely like progressive, you know, within within the ancient Jewish context. Yeah, I mean, like a little bit, right? There's not, you know, what I enjoy about it, I think, is that there's not this like you have to stay married at all costs, you know, especially if you got married when you were like 16, so you could have not be aflame with passion. Right. Right. And so, yeah, it's giving people options. I, you know, which is sad that like, I mean, I grew up in, in a, it's a quasi puritanical world, but certainly, uh, I mean, we didn't use the language of purity culture, but it was pretty much that it had this divorce definitely has had and still probably has a, a huge stigma yeah. in the church. And I, I understand like divorce is very hard. I, I grew up with divorce, you know, my parents got divorced. But, um, you know, I, I, it's sad that a lot of people, because there are passages in the Bible that they can use to, you know, kind of denounce divorce, uh, unless, you know, there's infidelity, well, but, but not abuse. And right. It's like people stay married and it's just so sad because it's so toxic and so traumatizing. And it's um, health, healthy people actually get divorced. Yeah. Right. Unhealthy people. And not not that anyone who stays married for a long time is unhealthy, but you know, we've all seen really um unhealthy relationships that yeah, they stand the test of time, but those people are not happy. No. And it and 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 it's sad when it's like the scriptures are used to justify just it's it's like almost it's it's okay to be really miserable and unhappy and in a horrible relationship, but it's just not okay to get divorced. It's like, wait, huh? Right. Yeah, and I, I think Paul just says so clearly here. You know, if you're, especially if your if your spouse is an unbeliever and they leave, you know, he's kind of like it's okay. So we know, I think that ancient Christians were um, one person would be believer would convert and the other person wouldn't, and that must have been a strain. Sure. Yeah, and that mean that means that you can't go to the temple. Your spouse is going to the temple. They're eating. They're eating meat or blood sacrifices, and you're not supposed to do that. And you know, it's uh, I can imagine that that would be a real strain. I can imagine it would be too. I mean, it's kind of a strain today on a lot of people. You know, if uh, if two Christians are married and one decides to not be a Christian any longer, it becomes right. oh, a strain. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Or, you know, I mean, especially if one's aflame with passion, and one's and not. the other is not. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a problem too. But maybe that's a different problem. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Paul address he also addresses this in um first Corinthians in verses one through five. Like he says so clearly if um and and he says it equally to men and women. So I think this is also where uh, Paul's not, you know, not a feminist. I don't this isn't about this is about some about equality um that we often misunderstand him. But he says really clearly, if you're married, do not withhold sex from your partner for the purposes of ascetical purity, except for a short amount of time. Otherwise you're going to cause them to sin. You're going to cause them to commit sexual fornication so he's actually to the married people he's like y'all go for it so you're not actually unwittingly causing someone else to commit a sin sure and then that gets twisted very very much so right isn't that, isn't that one of the big ones where it's like like it's kind of like you, you kind of can beat generally it's a man beating his wife over the head with it and be like you better have sex with me because paul says yeah or and vice versa well sure yeah yeah, I, th- sure. I think that's often the case, but the genderization, right, is that, um, right, women, yeah, women have to put out all the time for, right, well, yeah, for is, their I husband, mean, right, yeah, the twisted the cu- version. This is the culture we've, we've kind of, I mean, my wife was a part of that, like, it was ingrained in her, like, in this puritanical culture that it's the duty of a wife to put out. Right. Yeah. Which it's- I can't disagree with, you know? i'll have paul write you uh fourth corinthians oh for oh uh, oh if my bad behavior is going to create more scripture katie then god bless me right i can i'll I'll do what i can for the channeling purposes with it okay well you're into that metaphysical i am but so you ever talk to paul i no what's the point (laughs) i got (laughs) oh a dig did paul did paul come back as calvin i don't know who knows oh god no katie don't see don't ruin paul for me we're all we're all learning and growing paul too yeah but calvin wasn't (laughs) 
I'm just <laughs> or, kidding. Or, who who did Calvin come back as? It's like Jonathan Edwards. Well, you maybe. Maybe. Jo- maybe Jonathan Edwards. I don't know. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I don't see it. Maybe. No, not Piper. I don't know. Maybe Driscoll. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I'll draw a chart out. We'll have some possibilities. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like one of those QAnon charts. There'll be lines all over the place. <laughs> It'll be a soul chart. Who are all these? <laughs> Who are all these people? Yeah. Did they learn their lessons? Did they not learn their lessons? That's always the question. That's true. That is always the question. You know, it's funny because um, Calvinism actually kind of made me an atheist. I found I found that theology probably more biblical than the theology I grew up with, but so repulsive that I was just like, nope, can't do this. Who are you? Who were you before you were you? If I, I, would... didn't, I don't know if the question made sense. Who were you in a past life where you're like, yeah, I don't have to be this. Maybe you were Calvin. Oh, God, Katie. And then you're you come make... back and you reject yourself. You're going to make you're going to make me. Take the phrase judge not seriously. <laughs> like I said, I'll draw out the chart and we'll uh, we'll see what soul journeys we're all on. This is all this is all just in uh, in good fun, listeners. I'm not really drawing out anyone's past life charts because I don't have that authority. They, people who listen to me know that. Come on now, no one's taking this show seriously. <laughs> I'm taking the, I'm taking the show seriously, but uh, if this is a first introduction into metaphysics, <laughs> we'll, we'll give you some other options later on. Yes. Well, speaking of which, before we wrap up, tell people about you have another podcast other than well, the Heretic Happy Hour is your podcast, but then you have a, a, an other podcast. Right? I have yeah, another one. Yeah, meta, um, that that one is Magical Mystical Journeys, and so two co-hosts and I um, lead listeners through learning about one ascended being, whether that's an angel or a saint or some other kind of energy and we we give the ins and outs and um, talk about how we know about that being and have a little guided meditation so it's definitely for the woo-woo crowd it's totally fun and uh you can find that you know everywhere everywhere all right well i would encourage uh the listeners to go do that if that is your bag i just got your bag well yeah try it out i mean come on have an open mind right there's a good one on mary magdalene your favorite hey I like Mary Magdalene. I know. You need to I go d- on that magical, mystical journey with her. I, I Well, Jamal already went down that ride. <laughs> so I, I felt like Jamal was the Ma- Mary Magdalene guy. He's, they have a special, they have a special kinship. Yeah. Do you think they were married in a former life? I do not. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think she's having it from anyone. No. Oh, good. You go, girl. Yeah. You don't need no man. <laughs> I think she embodied the self-control probably that we that we've been that, talking about. That Paul probably wish he had. Yeah, and that's I think that's actually one of the interesting things about Paul is that the way he frames this, self-control didn't only have to belong to elite men. It could actually be adopted by Jesus believing women. Oh, what well, good for them. In a nice in a nice gender turn of uh gender expectations of the ancient world. All right. Well good. See, Paul's on to something. Yeah. Yeah, we need to uh, give him a little bit of a break. and get, We have to meet Paul where he is. There you go. Not where we want him to be. And then there we can have go. some appreciation. There you go. Amen to that. So, well, thanks, Katie. I thanks will, for having um, me. I look forward to, uh, to seeing you on the next time whenever we record the Heretic Happy Hour. Yeah, it'll be coming up. It will. So cheers. Enjoy cheers. this weather. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Katie, for coming on. Appreciate you giving me your time. And uh, everyone, go check out her podcast. I hear it's good. It's called Heretic Happy Hour. Find it on any platform. I don't know about all the hosts, but I know Katie's a winner, so go check it out. (laughs) And so here we are. We got a topic to cover today. And as I promised in the opening, conservatives... Actually, I said said to uh, plug your ears or not pay attention, but I'm going to rescind that. You're going to be the ones who I want to talk to today. So I'm going to do my very best to be kind, to not be a total asshole. And, uh, you know, I can't promise anything, but I'll do I'll do my best. So here's the deal. Here's the background. Uh, if you haven't listened to my deconstruction story, my shtick, uh, go listen to it. I, I don't remember which episode. It's in the title. But you could probably surmise that I was raised conservative. I was raised in an evangelical household. I was raised, you know, on biblical principles, whatever the fuck that means. But we know what it means. Um, 
the moral the moral guidebook is the Bible. How you're going to live your life is from the Bible. And I am perplexed. I am both shocked and chagrined that my people, the people I came from, the people I grew up with, the people I went to church with, the people I broke bread with, have sold their souls to right-wing politics, and they've thrown little baby Jesus, poor, kicking and screaming, little shit in his pants, little baby Jesus, out the window, and and I, I'm dumbfounded. I'm dumbfounded. The people I grew up with, the people who helped raise me in the church, on the moral majority, in the world, but not of the world, those people would be horrified if their kids acted like the man they support as president. Horrified. Absolutely horrified. They would be shocked and depressed and sad and angered and upset if they raised their kids and they grew up to be like Donald Trump. I'm not saying you have to support perfect people. I'm not saying any of us should expect perfection. But there has to be some sort of line where you say, I cannot support someone like this. It's not just that you're saying, oh, we're supporting imperfect people. It's that conservatives, so-called conservatives, are foaming at the mouth to support this person. They're almost, y'all, I'm talking to you now, (laughs) y'all are like rabid supporters. And I won't name names, but I remember when I had a certain podcast come out, I I cussed on it. (gasps) Gasp. And someone whom I respect was very upset that I said fuck. Or even cunt. (laughs) And I literally had a finger wagged in my face. An actual finger. An index finger. You can imagine it. I can't do it now because we don't have video. But I'm wagging my finger at this microphone and you can imagine me doing it. Because I said fuck. And I said fuck a lot. Now what is worse? Saying the word fuck? Or saying the word pussy? Or saying that you grab pussy without consent? Is it the word pussy that is offensive? Or is it the open admission that you commit sexual assault? Call it locker room talk, whatever. That's what it is. And no, I spent lots of times in locker rooms. I played sports. I did my thing. And I was damn good. And no one ever said... I ran up on this bitch against her will, and I started fucking her, or I started grabbing her. We'd all been like, what the fuck, man? And gone to the authorities. I hope so. Because that's fucked up. The problem is not that Donald Trump is a shitty person. There's a lot of shitty people. I'm not going to waste my time worrying about pieces of shit that live in the, in, in, on this planet. There's like 7 to 8 billion people. Some of them are going to be pieces of shit. I'm not going to concern myself with them. Even when they become leaders. I mean, yeah, it sucks. It affects people's lives. I don't want them to be president. My biggest, biggest concern is that y'all raised me up in the church talking about biblical values and biblical principles and Bible this and Bible that. And you've sold out. You are sellouts. You are fucking sellouts because you raised me different. And I know you're sellouts because I was in that that mindset, that mold, that worldview, that Wednesday Bible studies, Wednesday worship teams, Sunday morning worship teams, Sunday afternoon get back for the Sunday night service. Every week, week in and week out for fucking till I was like 25, 26. I don't remember the exact time. I was up in that bitch forever. I know your worldview. I know your moralities. I know your ethics. I know your Bible probably better than you do. So don't sit here and try to justify your support for Trump because I know it's bullshit. Because you would never, never, never 
justify that type of behavior in the church, in your family, amongst your friends, from your spouse. So something else is going on, and it's this. That y'all sold out Jesus so that you can get on the right political team. And that is the definition of irony. Could you imagine, shout out to David Hayward before I say this, can you imagine Jesus wearing a make Rome great again fucking hat? No, you cannot. And if you try to justify that, go fuck yourself. You cannot imagine him wearing that. So don't say you support both Jesus and Trump. Because Jesus would probably say to you, you cannot have two masters. And you've made it abundantly clear who your master is. And if you want to say it's Jesus, it's not. Because the Jesus that you attach to Trump does not exist. White Jesus don't exist. Republican Jesus don't exist. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps Jesus don't exist. You're making Jesus out of your own shitty political image. And don't, and, and please, 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 don't turn around and say, oh, the liberals, what about the liberals? Well, those are the, those are the worldly people, right? That's what you expect from the liberals, is shitty worldly behavior. I say that ironic. I could shit on liberals too, but I'm not going to in this episode. This is about you, conservatives. Let's give you the benefit of the doubt that the liberals are the problem. They're supposed to be the problem. In your narrative, they are the problem. So let them do what they're going to do. Because they don't have Jesus. They don't have the truth. They're just a bunch of heathens. They're a bunch of hell-bound heathens, brother. Hoorah, amen. I don't know why I hoorahed. <laughs> but you know what I mean. They're the ones who should be doing this. But y'all know better. Or so I thought. You know, but you tell us you know better because you have Jesus, you have the truth, you have the Bible. So you hold yourself to a higher standard, right? You shouldn't fall for this political bullshit game. You're supposed to be better than that. The kingdom of God is not of this world. Well, if the kingdom of God is not of this world, why do you want a new King Cyrus? I'm waiting. I'll wait. Oh, there's no call-in. I better not wait too long. Otherwise, it's going to be a really silent rest of the show. Do you, do you see what I'm getting at? Are you reflecting on this at all? Is there any self-reflection going on amongst conservatives in the GOP? People who are Republicans. I remember in 2016, everyone shit on Donald Trump from your party. Every candidate called him a liar, called him a sleaze, called him not representative of what the GOP is. And everyone, aside from maybe a couple, 99% of y'all sold out. And now you're justifying every fucking thing he does. Everything. But I remember when you had like 20 candidates on that stage, Rubio, Ted Cruz, Lion Ted Cruz, all these names that Trump gave gave your candidates, they were repulsed by Trump. Y'all were repulsed by Trump. Y'all were embarrassed that he was doing so well. And now, y'all look like a cult. And not only do you look like a cult, you are a cult. MAGA this, make America great again, 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 again. Blaming Biden for what's going on right now. Who the fuck is in charge right now? Trump. Oh my God, the streets are going to be a mess with Biden in charge. They're a mess now. Who's in charge? Your guy. Focus, Matt. How is it <laughs> that a New York billionaire gives a shit about poor people from Kansas, or Nebraska, or Iowa, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, West Virginia, Tennessee. Yo, white folks, listen. He doesn't give 
two shits about you. He shits in a golden fucking bathroom. Rich people <laughs> from New York who are tycoons. If if tycoon describes you, you don't give a shit about rich about poor people. You you, you I'm sorry, but y'all been duped, and your cult leader is 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 not have your best interest in mind. You should get back on that Jesus stuff. Because Jesus cared about the poor. White, black, brown, otherwise. It didn't matter to him. He cared about the poor, the oppressed, the marginalized, the excommunicated, the heretics, the heathens, the apostates. All the people labeled all the bad things. He cared about them. He cared about people. He was poor himself. His mission was funded by someone else. He was not recognizable in our society. He would not be recognizable. He would not be recognizable if he walked in your church. He would not be recognizable if he started preaching the same message that he preached in the first century. You would not recognize him. You would kick him out of your church. You would call him a communist. He wasn't, but you would call him that. You'd call him a socialist. He wasn't, but you can call him that. And you'd kick his ass out of your church because he wouldn't be a patriot no sir he wouldn't be a patriot and we need patriots up in here this is america god damn it i'm sorry but you have all you've all sold out and i expected better because that's how i was raised i i, I recently have thought it would be hilarious to talk to certain people the way trump talks to talk to certain Trump supporters the way Trump talks and see if I would get away with it. Someone tried that on Twitter. They just tweeted the same shit Donald Trump did and they got banned. They got they you know they got they got their posts removed. Literally, verbatim, just posting the same shit Trump does. Trump allowed to do it. Random person who did that prank, which is brilliant by the way, bravo, tip of the cap, banned, blocked. Canceled. But I'm just gonna. I I might just go around and start saying the same shit about people, see if they start wagging their finger in my face, and then turn it on them and say, "Hey, I'm just influenced by MAGA. Make America great again, again." <laughs> oh, but we're not. We're not electing a a youth pastor. We're electing a a president. Okay, fantastic. I don't know what the fuck that means. I guess it means you're allowed to be a piece of shit and talk shit about everyone. Well, he's he's good at economics, though. Is he? Is he? How many failed businesses? Maybe that small million-dollar loan he got from his dad helped, hmm? I'm pretty sure I could do pretty good with a million-dollar loan, too. If you just took a million dollars and put it in investments and sat there and did nothing with it for your whole life, you'd have more money than Donald Trump. I've, I've read that, that fucking report. Trump stakes? Failed. Trump University? Fuck out of here. <laughs> I'm not saying he doesn't know anything. But, but this is what this is what you're doing when you say, oh, but he's got he's not Hillary Clinton or he's not Joe Biden or he's got some economic stuff that I like. You're just you're just not wanting to deal with the moral crisis he puts you in. You're not able to face that because on uh, you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth on Sunday. You're all about this and this and this and this from the Bible, whatever that thing is you're doing this Sunday, whatever that passage is your pastor's preaching. You're not applying it to your politics. Are you really sitting here? How can I uh how can I apply the Sermon on the Mount to how I deal with politics? Y'all ain't doing that. Why not? You don't you don't think it applies? Blessed are the poor. Trump would call the poor stupid and lazy. Jesus said they're blessed. Who are you going to follow? Don't answer because I already know. You've made it abundantly clear. After he got the GOP nomination, you were all in. 
And the, 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 the most truthful thing Trump ever said about your dumbasses is that he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and he'd still get the numbers. He'd still get the votes. He'd still poll really well. Whatever the fuck he said. Now, literally, I don't know, but I'm starting to wonder. But there's truth behind that statement is that he can do whatever the fuck he wants because his followers, I'm speaking to some of you, I hope, because I'm hoping my friends who listen to me are going to share it because this is the hard truth that y'all need to hear. You are acting like it's a cult and he's a cult leader. And you will follow him to the tail of Hale-Bopp. <laughs> or whatever the fuck cults do these days. He's your Orange Koresh. I think I'm going to make a I'm going to make a soda company called Orange Koresh, kind of like Orange Crush. <laughs> Some, someone out there with money. I don't have money to start a company. But it's true. I think that's a, that's the difference between what's going on with Trump and what's going on with Biden. I don't think there's there's not a lot of like, and this is one of the scary parts about why I think Trump still might win. Is there not there's not a lot of like ride or die Biden supporters. It's almost like again the same sort of thing. Well, he's not Trump. That was like I mean Hillary's slogan should have been I'm not Trump um, I don't think many people were that excited and I don't think many people are excited about Biden it sounds like a lot of people would have been more excited about Elizabeth Warren people got excited when Kamala Harris got brought on board that's beside the point whatever I'm not this isn't a political show first and foremost I don't even focus that much on politics but my point is that Biden is not, he doesn't have the kind, the kind of cult status that Trump does. And that's what's scary as shit. Is that this man could literally do almost what any, whatever he wants. And his major backers, which are people to claim, who claim to follow Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This is the great irony. This is the great irony. Is that a man who stands for nothing of what Jesus represented is the one they are hitching the wagon to. Except on Sunday. Then they, then they go do their Jesus thing and sing their songs and sing their praises. It's astounding, people. It's astounding. It pains me to have an episode like this because I know people who support Trump rabidly, who like Trump, who would be grossed out if I acted like him, if my kid acted like him, if I had sons. My daughter would, I mean, can't imagine a woman acting like that, but <laughs> it seems like a very male way to act. But if I had sons, damn. If your own kids were acting, I mean, anyone, like if someone at church was acting like this, you would not tolerate it. I know you wouldn't. Fucking John Piper canceled Rob Bell or tried to for writing a book that he didn't agree with. Farewell, Rob Bell, because he wrote too many universalistic things and asked too many questions and, and questioned the doctrine of hell. He got kicked out of church, of Christianity <laughs> by John Piper. We have, in the church, have kicked out people for a lot less than what Trump is doing. And y'all are embracing him. Because of abortion, maybe? That's, it's like a one-issue thing. You're going you're gonna to sell your soul on everything else, but because, this, because he, he dangles abortion out like a carrot, you're going to ride or die with him? Can I remind you that abortions go down generally when more liberal candidates are in charge, when there's more liberal presidents, more Democrats. I'm not saying they get everything right. I've literally, I'm, I'm going to confess something to you. I've never voted for a Democrat. Did I just out myself? I didn't vote for Trump. Please don't, please don't assume I voted for Trump. I live in California. doesn't matter who we vote for. The Democrat's going to win. We get to vote. We, you, there's, some, there's some states where you do get to vote third party. 
and not have to worry about any uh, repercussions. I mean, even in this election, I'm not going to say who I'm going to vote for. I don't tell people I vote. I don't wear those little things. I don't virtue signal. I voted. Well, great. Fantastic. That's great if you do. I don't give a shit. For me, it would be virtue signaling because that's not my, that's not me. But I get to vote for whoever I want this time, all times, because we're going to go to Biden. Easy. California. We're not a swing state. Your vote matters in a swing state. I'm going to eat my words if Trump wins California. If Trump wins California, it's going to be a fucking landslide. So. <laughs> we're all fucked at that point. But I don't, I don't say any of this stuff as a Democrat. I don't. I say it as someone who knows conservatism. Who, at, at one point, I thought conservatism was like low taxes. We're going to make you pay for the wall. Yeah. And y'all are ch- hooting and hollering about that. The debt skyrocketed. The deficit skyrocketed. The shit that, that you claim to follow and claim to be all about, shit's not going well under Trump. I'm sorry. Don't sit here and tell oh, he brought jobs back. Jobs back? What kind of jobs? The jobs that were lost under COVID? What kind of jobs? Everyone I know pretty much is like working two jobs. Who the fuck gives a shit about job numbers? It's about purchasing power. If you got three jobs to make ends meet, oh, the jobs look great. Yeah, but you can't buy shit and you're poor. And you're working three jobs because you have to. So fuck your jobs numbers. Are they good jobs? Does it pay well? Does it pay well as opposed to what you can get with your dollars? Because if it doesn't, it's just fucking grinding for nothing. So, I I don't know. Kind of at a loss of what else to say. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what this uh, next 30 days or 40 days is going to be like. I guess we got the uh, debates coming up. That's not going to be a debate, though. It's not going to be a debate. I've watched debates. I watch real debates from philosophers, critical thinkers, scientists. Those are debates. Hitchens did debates. Dawkins did debates. Does debates. Ehrman. Those are debates. This is going to be a, a shit-slinging festival. Where ad hominem attacks will be... Let me just say this. Don't play a drinking game where you have to drink every time there's an ad hominem. Because <laughs> you will die. Don't Don't play that game. It's going to be ugly. And it, you know, people's minds are already made up. I don't know who anyone out there who's like, oh, I don't really know what to do. I mean, if you're considering voting for Trump, my advice would be to seriously self-reflect. To seriously self-reflect. Because you probably don't stand for the things that Trump stands for. But for some reason, you feel like you got to pledge your allegiance to him, ride or die, 100%, through and through. And I don't get it. And if you if you get it, fine. If your conscience is clear, fine. If you could look Jesus in the face while wearing your MAGA hat and beating your American chest, your nationalistic chest, by all means, fucking do it. But if your Jesus looks just like you, white, conservative, highly capitalistic, pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of guy, that's probably not Jesus. That's not the Jesus I read about. The Jesus I read about makes me uncomfortable about my situation. That's what a good prophet does. And... Y'all Trump supporters seem way too comfortable with where you're at. The Jesus I know challenges my ass. Challenges my allegiances. Challenges my politics. My economic ideas. My ideas of justice. My ideas of forgiveness. The Jesus y'all claim to support seems to be just like you. 
not challenging you at all. It's always someone else's fault. Trump's going to be the savior. It's always the liberals' fault. It's like, damn. And I know there's some people out there that blame everything on Trump unfairly. But again, it's not a, this episode is not about them. It's about you. So, suck it up, buttercup. And do some self-reflection. I don't know. That's it for today. That's where I'm going to stop because I feel like... Uh, feel like I need to wet my whistle. Getting all dried mouthed from yelling at y'all. Getting all fired up here today. So thank you for listening. Thank you for putting up with my rant fest. And uh, we'll see you out there next time. If you want to hit me up, find me on Facebook. Go to allsetfree.com. You can uh, check out all my work. On anchor.fm slash apostatesanonymous. That's, that's the hosting uh, site for this for this uh, podcast. Uh, there's a message thing. If you want to get a hold of me, I will figure out how to answer those messages. Uh, maybe we'll do a Q&A coming up sometime soon. Maybe on episode 10. We'll milestone episode 10. Throw out some questions you want to hear me talk about. Uh, thank you for those who support the show. If you want to support me, patreon.com slash mjdistefano. $1 a month. That goes a long way. All right. I'll see you all next time. Make America great again. Again. Peace. Peace.